Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Monday morning, Birds fans. How are you? Hopefully your weekend wasn't as uh, hectic as my partner, John McMullins, who was probably bummed out that he had to do as much eagle work as he did, didn't allow him time to watch AEW action. Uh, yeah. He, you know, they drew 80,000 people, Jody. They did. I know full well. I texted you about it. Uh, that's. Uh, I know they're, they're number two, but they try harder. They did get 80,000 people into a stadium on Saturday it's, night. Uh, was... oh, tremendous success, yeah. Uh, no... So, uh, Johnny Mac was busy with bird business. The Philadelphia Eagles won last we spoke Friday after their Thursday final preseason game, had a day off. Oh, the coaches weren't off. They were evaluating film and making decisions. Cuts came out Saturday. Guys missing from practice on Sunday. Draw the conclusion that you will. Uh, the massive cut from 90 to 53 is not taking place here in Philadelphia. 
because they've already told a bunch of guys that their services no longer needed J-Mac. Yeah, I mean, they 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 officially released uh, a number of bested veterans to give them sort of a head start. I think that was, uh, you know, sort of a, I don't want it, a little bit of a favor uh, to beat the, the glut of players that are going to be on the market. Um, as far as the wavered guys, the guys, the younger guys who get waived and have to clear waivers, go through waivers, uh, a, a few of those have leaked out, but at practice yesterday, um, we were able to see who was there and who wasn't there. Uh, so of that group, uh, Ian Book, which was reported, Kennedy Brooks, um, Freddie Swain, Johnny King, Tyree Jackson reported, Tyrese Robinson, Marvin Wilson, Caleb Sanders, um, we hardly knew you to learn your first name, uh, Alabe Sagapulu. I think we decided to go with Jody. Robert yeah. Cooper, uh, Quentin Bell, and Tyreek Maddox-Williams, who had the big, obviously, preseason uh, game against uh, Indy, uh, but got here too late and obviously wasn't going to make the, the 53. So those are the guys who weren't at practice. So they've already been informed. And the other guys are, are are the bubble guys, and and you know trying to make that last bit of effort and practice to say, hey, you know, let's tilt it this way. Um, and you know, also part of it is you you've seen a number of trades over the league uh, with lower level players over the past few days. The Patriots picked up a couple offensive linemen uh, yesterday. Uh, a number of these players, you know, how we. If they're not going to make the 53, we'll try to get something for them um, and, and see if he can work out things that way. So that's part of it as well. Uh, but the Eagles are not going to announce anything until the deadline Tuesday. Uh, I, at least I've been told that. So you might hear some, you know, agents leaking that uh, their guys are, are getting put on waivers. And even then, you got to be careful because, you know, sometimes they put that out there to indicate to other teams are, you know, we're going to release them. If you want them, you can play the gamble game on waivers. But if you give us a seventh round pick, a sixth round pick, you can have them. That type, that's how sort of a Bedarian low or somebody gets traded. Uh, you know, that's how that kind of stuff happens. You leak out that, hey, they're probably going to put on weight and they don't want to deal with it and say, we want the player. Let's give you a late round pick or something of that nature. Right. And as you stated, we've already seen a couple of those type deals come down over the last 24, 48 hours. Um, if you go so far as to let the guy know, and uh, you're right, the Eagles have officially announced nothing, but some pretty good reporters are reporting guys who will not be with the team and they weren't there on practice on Sunday. So you can read into that pretty well. Those guys, probably the Eagles are German. Yeah, if we put our put them out there and say we'll take a seventh round pick. They're not getting it anyway, so they've already made those decisions. Uh, but it's down from 90 to 70, which means they've got about 17 more guys to cut. Out of those 17, how many do you think they're really debating still? They, they, they've got to have a number of them that they know it's only a matter of time. They might be playing that game that you're talking about. Maybe we can maybe we can fake someone into giving us a seventh-round pick, but we know they're not going to be on our roster. How many positions do you really think are still being debated at this stage? Debated? 
I, 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 I think they're pretty locked in by this point. I, I think the obvious one would be six, the six corner that we talked about so much. Um, and if, if they even keep six corners, um, you know, they might not even keep six corners. Um, uh, so I think that is still being debated or it could be more of, you know, I was talking to a former Eagles exec could be more of, what I just talked about trying to trade somebody trying to get something for one of those guys and hanging them on, hanging on as long as uh, possible. Um, safety, you know, it's been obvious how many, how many safeties are you going to keep versus how many linebackers are going to keep. So it might not even be, I, I think a lot of people get hyper-focused on Nick Morrow's the fourth linebacker. It might be Nick Morrow versus Kayvon Wallace. Do you want to go five at safety versus four at linebacker? It might not be linebacker versus linebacker and uh, safety versus safety. It might be that type of thing. Um, but I think the one, at least my engagement, because people are very mad uh, that I didn't pick Eli Ricks on my final 53. And I think uh, people don't understand what I said. I don't mind... Like Jody, you you said you think Ricks is going to make the team. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm in the minority. Far more people think he's going to make the team than me. But what I said was, I don't think it matters. In other words, if they decide to keep Makai Gardner, who I picked to make the 53, or they decide to keep the Eli Ricks, I think the other guys get through waivers and they're going to be back on the practice squad. And by the way, it might be Mario Goodrich. And I think the same thing. And it might be Josiah Scott. And I think the same thing. I, I'm not sure if Josiah is vested at this stage, but um, you can get him through waivers either way, I think. And, but that's always a gamble. That's always a little bit of a gamble. So that's what I was saying. Now, to me, I, 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 I lean towards Garner for this reason. He, it's special teams. If you're going to be... If you're going to be that a six corner, you got to be a special teams guy. He made the big play in Baltimore, but I also, you know, went to PFF and I looked at. He's got significantly more special team snaps. He was graded higher. He was one of their best special teams players in the preseason, if that matters, which it might not. Right, because Rick's got the pick six in a preseason game, too. So you're going to evaluate the preseason special teams on Garnet's No, I'm just trying to explain my I'm, I'm trying to explain my decision making. For those, in other words, for the sixth corner, like neither is going to play. And if either plays, it's a disaster. It's That's an probably, absolute yep. disaster. And by the way, all these corners we're talking about have outplayed Calais Ringo. Flat yeah. out. Yeah. All three of them, Garner, Ricks, um, uh, and and Goodrich, Goodrich have outplayed Calais mm. Ringo. And Josiah Scott also, what the former scout I was talking to said, you know, versatility might also be a key. Well, Josiah Scott's the versatile one. Makai Gardner, a lot of people projected the safety, but the Eagles didn't play him there. Um, but he's got some versatility as well. So that that's all I'm saying. I'm trying to under I'm trying to give people my thought process. But win or lose, I think all of them are getting through waivers. So that's all I was trying to say. I don't think it's that big of a deal. 
The Eagles might lean towards Ricks because they think he has an upside, uh, a higher ceiling. You know, playmaking is is a big thing. Ball skills is a big thing. That's one of the reasons Ringo has looked very poor uh, in the preseason. His ball skills have looked not good, to be kind. And, and Ricks, obviously, and, you know, with the contextual nature of playing on the third team, has looked like he has significant ball skills. Um, all of this stuff factors into it, but I think they can get them all back if they want them back. That's my larger point. Uh, uh, waivers is one of the most overblown thing every year. The average is about 40 guys get, get, get claimed on waivers across the league. Now, the Eagles, because one of, they're one of the deepest teams in football, they're susceptible to getting three or four, you know, plucked. Right. Because that's what teams do. Mm. But teams that pluck a lot of players off waivers, conversely, I think Chicago had four or five last year. I mean, you're, you're, I, I would say you're either a, a disaster as an organization or you're rebooting uh, uh, after being a disaster of an organization, one or the other. Um, because you've had your own guys all summer and all spring. And re- remember where we are. If you're claiming somebody on Wednesday, they got one week to yeah, prepare. You got, you got eight days to get them up to yeah. speed to play in the opener. I mean, it, they're not going to be impactful. So, and look, the Eagles have lost players over the years. The most notable that, you know, my buddy Mike K keeps bringing up, Noah Togiai. And I say, all right, yeah, they wanted Noah Tungiai. Sorry. Uh, they, they, they wanted him back. There's no question. Did it matter? At the end of the day, they ultimately got him back. He didn't do anything in Indy. He didn't right. do anything here. They didn't pay a price for it. And Brett, hit- Toth, Brett Toth would be the other guy. Same thing. They really wanted him back. Arizona claimed him. He didn't do anything here. They got him back. He got cut again. Yep. I mean, I, all I'm saying is the fear of the waiver wire is just ridiculous. It really is. It's it's not earth-chattering. You are correct in what you say. Uh, here's why I think you and I might disagree. PFF, who we reference here on the show, and I think the NFL doesn't like to reference uh, publicly. But Chris does. Chris doors, Collinsworth does. Uh, okay. <laughs> so some people do, some people don't. Um, but they, they, they certainly know it's out there, and uh, all the players are – adding to their own scouting, which is certainly more important that they're doing. Eli Ricks was the number one ranked cornerback in preseason football. Of all cornerbacks who played at least 30 snaps, he was numero uno in the entire league, not on the Eagles, in the National Football League. So take PFF ratings for preseason games at whatever worth you think it should be, but it's out there. And if your job is to not lose anybody, you would prefer to not lose anybody. You want to get all your, you want to have the choice of all the guys that you've had in camp to invite back to your practice squad and to keep. I think part of the decision-making process is, well, which of the guys we're going to put on waiver government is most likely to get claimed. And let's just go through this one more time and see if we agree that this is the roster we're going to put together. I think that Ricks is the most likely guy to be claimed if they put him on waivers. Now, 
Does that mean I think Eli Ricks is going to become a pro bowler? Probably not. You're right, John. We've got a couple of examples of guys who the Eagles wanted to keep were upset that they lost. And oh, by the way, they got both of them back eventually anyway. And neither one of them turned into a starter or a major contributor for the Eagles. You're, you're, you're uh, laying out the situation the way it has played out is absolutely on point. But they've got a decision to make here in the next 48 hours. And I, I just think that we may... I know I do, whether the Eagles do or don't, only they know for sure. I think that Eli Ricks opened it enough eyes that I think he could get claimed. If the Eagles put him on waivers, I think. Well, and, and that's the point. And that's where I, I I may be. Well, I agree. Number one, I agree. He's the most likely. If you, if you said who's the most likely to be claimed, I would agree. It's probably Ricks. I, I would still say it's not that likely he's going to get claimed. However... And and part of my reasoning for that was, look, everybody had a shot at this guy. The Eagles paid him ten grand to come in here. I mean, yeah, you know, everybody had a shot as an undrafted free agent, and he wasn't one of those guys who gets two hundred grand, two hundred fifty grand. You know, he got ten grand. Now, Reed Blankenship got five grand, overcame it. So it's not a death sentence by any stretch of the right. imagination. But all these people had a chance at him, and and were doing the scouting pre-draft and all that kind of stuff. So that's number one. The second part is um, he he made a good point, and I had to acknowledge it. Uh, the guy was texting with, and he said, because I'm, I'm hyper-focused on the Eagles, which I admit, and I know the Eagles. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know the, and I know what the Eagles do. And the Eagles, but there's two parts of this, self-evaluation and outside evaluation. He brought up the outside teams don't get to see practice. They don't get to see the Eagles practice. They don't get to see what they do. All they get to see is the preseason games. And he who, made splashy who, plays. Who told you this? Uh, I said former scout with the Eagles. Over the weekend? Yeah. Do you forget who told it to you on Friday? Uh, uh, he didn't. It, this was yesterday when right. I was texting him. But do you know who told you the same thing on Friday? Well, you're not a scout. No offense, okay. Jody. I mean, no, I mean, it's I know, but you're it's, using it as a reference as if he opened up your eyes on the weekend when well, you had this conversation. I said the same exact thing to you on Friday. John, the other teams only get a chance to see what happens in a preseason game. Yes. They're not an Eagles camp. I said it, that same exact thing to you on Friday. But it's a different heft. And what it, what he said was there again. You got to let me finish these things. That people don't. That this is the only thing that bothers me about fans is they hear one thing and they stop, and 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 uh, they don't hear me say it doesn't matter the end game. It doesn't matter because I think all all three will get through waivers no matter what the decision is. That's my larger thesis, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But of the three. Yeah, Ricks is more likely for that reason. But the context of what he said as he continued, that's why you try to work the trade. That's why you try to get the sixth or seventh round pick. Uh, He's also the most likely to be traded. Now, for the Eagles' self-evaluation, and again, I went through all the numbers. Not only did Gardner play more on special teams, he was more successful. So you bring up PFF. He was the number one graded special teams player in Baltimore in the entire NFL. And they have a crappy special teams unit who, by the way, lost two of their best players, Zach McPherson 
and Sean Bradley on injured reserve. So all this stuff factors into it. Now, nobody cares about special teams players until they care about special teams players. So it, it doesn't make him more likely to get claimed. I think he's going to get claimed. Um, and again, the ceiling, it, it to me, it makes it more likely that they're able to get a sixth or a seventh round pick. So he said the first part that you said, Jody, but he added the second part. That's when you try to work the phones. That's when you try to take advantage of maybe these whatever adjectives you want to use, bad organizations go to that taking, you know, context. Look, the whole thing, if you pick up a box score, right. And you see a, a, a pick six, you say, wow, that's great. But then if you go to the game and you watch, it might be a tip ball, you know, where somebody else made the play and he was just in the right spot. So-and-so now that's not what happened to Ricks. He made a good play but he made it against a 14 quarterback to really telegraph the football. So if you're watching and good organizations are watching, they're not looking at the box score. They're watching and they say, Oh, all right. Nice play. Made the play. It was there for him. Um, didn't drop it. Didn't drop it. Coasted in. But I, so all of this stuff comes into it, but I, I would agree that he's the most likely of the three to get claimed and maybe that tilts him. But uh, from, from, from the standpoint of people, Bradbury in the slot too, that's something I think people have over judged. Um, and they say, well, if Bradbury's going to play in the slot, you don't need a slot and then he can keep Ricks. Um, and, and Bradbury was talking about it again yesterday. He was one of the players who talked and he said again for the second time, you know, we're just doing it in case and injuries. You never know what happens in a game. And guys, he's an outside corner. He's an all pro outside right. corner. He's not going to play in the slot. Uh, but, and he keeps saying it, but if people don't listen, and by the way, I give Sean Desai a lot of credit too, because I, I think that's one place where he's different from Jonathan Gannon. Like he's preparing for, catastrophe Smart. which yeah. i i think I, is i think is a good I idea you understand a lot of credit for that too you and i are on the same page there but here uh let me ask you about this in and as you correctly say you know the eagles you're there every day you follow them you talk to them you've got sources uh so anyone who questions that is foolish but is there a chance that maybe with some significant changes to the eagles specifically their coaching staff this offseason that their mindset has changed. The way they evaluate has changed at least some. And I give you as an example, your guy, Dan Arnold, who you raved about at practice and said, God, this guy catches in the everything. spring, not in camp. I didn't know. Okay. About well, uh, from the time he donned an Eagle uniform, uh, he opened your eyes in practice and you thought that he opened up Eagles evaluators eyes in practice as well. And then we got to camp and then we got to the preseason games and he didn't do much of anything. And he was part of the early cuts for this team. Now you got to take in the positional and the number of guys that are there and everything else that goes into it. But he was a guy who did well in something other than a preseason game. And he finds himself unemployed when the first cuts come down. Is there a chance that the Eagles have altered the way that they evaluate talent uh, and using uh, Dan Arnold as an example. 
No, because he 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 played well in the spring. He played well in OTAs. When he got to training camp, he didn't play well. Um, and I, you know, I said that weeks ago. I said I'm disappointed. He didn't show up in training camp. He hasn't pushed Grant Calcaterra at all. Um, so he hasn't been good in practice or um, the he, he hasn't done much in in in. Well, Grant hasn't done much either because they don't play anybody they think is going to be relevant. But uh, um, yeah, he didn't he didn't show up in practice and he didn't play well in practice. And that, yeah, I I don't think it has anything to do. Now, the early nature of the cut, he's a vested guy. They cut all the vested guys. They gave them a head start. Whether you know they'll frame it as they're doing them a favor, as I said, to beat the traffic. Uh, all the offensive linemen, they're all bested. Um, so they don't have to go through waivers. So they can sign with anybody. And if anybody says, oh, we need a veteran offensive lineman, like the Patriots, they just uh, traded for two offensive linemen. You know, if they wanted a more veteran presence, maybe they call up Dennis Kelly and and, and you give them a, a sort of a solid that way, but that's not the way it, it, it fell. Um so he, he just didn't play well in training camp. Um, he played well in the spring. He showed up with no pads and shorts, and right. how he many, showed how, his athleticism. How many, how many hours was that? Uh, we had we we had three practices, and he made a great catch in all three that we were open. Um, but again, yeah, it's no pads, shorts, right. shirts, and he's a great athlete. I mean, I talked to Colin Thompson. Our buddy, NFL tight end, he said he's a freak athlete, great receiver. Um, when the pads came on, not the same. And yeah. that's maybe the reason why a great athlete, a good receiver can't catch on anywhere consistently. He's played a long time, but he's bounced around a bunch of places. And he was bounced out of Eagles camp this weekend. All right, uh, Johnny Mack, I need you to do me a favor. I, and you, John's going to run. He's got to go over. Eagles have uh, media access and uh, then a practice today. So John's going to ski daddle here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Mark Farzetta is going to come in for him. And we've got our uh, contributors, Jeff Kerr, is going to jump in and, and BLG Bradley Gouton. Over whatever hit him last week when he was under the weather and couldn't join us, he's going to do so this morning. All right. I did this yesterday on my CBS show, and I relied on my listeners to, to give me some insight but I need more educated insight from a guy like you. Um, I wanted to tier the NFL before the season started. Four tiers. And the tiers I labeled as legit Super Bowl contenders, on the cusp, sorry, just short, and not happening, okay? So I wanted to get eight teams into each of those four categories, legit, on the cusp, just short, and not happening. So I got eight at the bottom. That was easy enough. But I kind of got caught at the top and in the middle. I've only got seven teams in my legit category, and I've only got seven teams in my just short category, and I got 10 teams in my on the cusp category. So I need to move one team from on the cusp up to legit, and I got to move one team from on the cusp down to, sorry, just short, you're not getting there. Uh, I give you the 10 teams real quick. I need you to move one up and one down. And the other eight will stay right there in the on the cusp category for me. On the cusp for me, 
Cowboys, Ravens, Lions, Chargers, Jaguars, Seahawks, Steelers, Vikings, Giants, and Saints. Those are my 10 on the cusp. Out of those 10, which most likely do you think moves up a tier? Is the best of those 10 teams with Super Bowl possibilities? Um, and and I'm I'm gonna use your depth. It's gonna I'm gonna make people angry. Super Bowl possibilities. I'm gonna use your definition. Um, Dallas Cowboys. Okay, and uh, it's not an outrageous selection. I would no. think that most people do. I'm not as high on Cowboys as well. As but but else. part and and the reason I say that is because maybe the Ravens are better. Maybe the Jags end up being better. Those would be the two other teams I considered. Uh, but they're in the AFC where it's much, much more difficult. I, I don't think the Cowboys have as many hurdles. So that's when, when you say Super Bowl, I think Cowboys have a much easier path um, and are a good a good team on top of it. So that's why I go to the Cowboys. That, that is very much legit. Believe it or not, you know who got moved up most out of my listeners? Dougie P's Jack. Yeah, Jack. Good team. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, I think he's going to be really good. And if he turns out to be as good as I think he's going to be, um, that's a good choice as well. But I, yeah. I just think it's tougher on the AFC side. Yeah, certainly so. Um, so which out of those 10 teams do you think doesn't even deserve on the cusp status? You would put them in the more eh, just short group of the Broncos, the Bears, the Browns, the Packers, the Pats, the Falcons, and the Raiders. Who would you move down out of those 10? Um, I'm torn between two teams that played in the playoffs last year. Vikings and Giants, because um, I I don't think the Vikings are even trying to win any. I I don't know what the GM is doing there, uh, but they still have good skill position players, um, and and I think Brian Flores is going to make turn their defense from awful awful 31 32 to middle of the road 15 right. 16, and they might win games a different way, you know, because. Instead of have to score in 35 to win, they might, you know, he might knock off 728. Yeah. Yeah. And they might win games that way. So I'm going Giants. I, I don't believe in the Giants. I didn't believe in the Giants last year. I think they overachieved. I give them credit. I think they're doing great things like long term as I compare those teams. I think they have a good GM. I understand he's making good decisions. I just think they were so ravaged talent wise. They haven't. They still need a little bit more time to add talent. And they're in a division with the Eagles and Cowboys. So I think it's difficult from that standpoint. Understood. Um, but no, so I'm Nobody voted Giants. the Giants moving up or moving down in my poll over the weekend. They were a non-factor, but I understand your uh, – I think I did get a couple of Vikings uh, that they, the other team you were debating that uh, the bottom has fallen out there. But those could have been – Packer fans or Lion fans or Bears fans. You never really know who's checking in on your phones. Johnny Mac, thanks for the insight. Safe travels over to South Philly. Tomorrow is the true pre-cut day. You get some hints today. You get some info today. You'll be on with us. No, they're done early, I'm, I'm told. So they're down to 70, and they're going to wait. And, and like I said, I think, you know, there's some potential trade baits in there trying to hold on to people. Um, trying to get some draft picks, maybe even how well, we make them keep a know. lid on it all day today, even after practice, you know what I mean? But uh, no, there's a, hey, they can't keep, they can't keep a lid on agents. So, you know, if somebody wants it out there, he'll get it out there. And Johnny Mack will be grabbing it and sharing with us tomorrow. Thanks brother. I'll talk to you in the morning.
All right. Thanks, guys. And thank uh, Mark Barzetta. I see him there smiling, as always, bringing the energy, the Brandon Graham uh, of, of our group. And Jeff Kerr, the great Jeff Kerr. Thank you, Jeff Kerr. He's not looking up, though. Yeah. Uh, there yeah. we go. I got it. All right. Oh, Thanks. Damn. That's the most crowded uh, green room we've ever had. Do yeah. it once. We've yeah. got both Farzetta and Kerr ready to go. Johnny Mac will be back tomorrow. We'll be back on Birds 365 with Farzi and with Jeff Kerr. Stick around. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Welcome back here to Birds 365. Jody Mack with Mark Varzetta jumping into the fray for John McMullen and our buddy Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com. All right, since I've got both of you here, I want to do the same thing I did with Johnny Mack in the first segment with both of you guys. Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? I coincidentally, randomly, I'm prepared for this. Yes, I am prepared. 
uh, prepared and excitable, according to Johnny Mac. <laughs> Bring in the energy. Uh, all right, here's uh, I did this yesterday on CBS Sports. Had fun with it. I need educated opinions above and beyond the callers that I get. Um, I broke the NFL down into four tiers. Legit Super Bowl contender on the cusp. Sorry, just short. And yeah, not happening. Which both Shane Sykin and... Our pal in Indianapolis happened to appear. The Colts and the Cardinals are two of the worst teams in the NFL. Sorry about that, boys. You could have stayed in Philadelphia. You wanted to take a major <laughs> challenge and go coach a bad football team like the Cardinals and the Colts. Uh, but I digress. Um, I, I, it didn't break out perfectly. I wanted eight, 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 and eight. Uh, straight down the line, eight teams in each. I only had seven in my top category. And in my just short category, sorry, you're not making the playoffs, but you're not as bad as the Panthers and the Bucks and the Cardinals. Um, so I need in this group of 10, my, my middle group, I got 10 teams. I need you to move one up into the top category and I need, need you to move one down. So out of these 10, which is the best team, which is the worst team? Here are the 10 teams. Cowboys, Ravens, Lions, Chargers, Jaguars, Seahawks, Steelers, Vikings, Giants, and Saints. Of those 10, I need you to tell me which one should actually be in the top category, legit Super Bowl contenders, and which needs to drop a column down to, yeah, you're in with the Patriots and the Falcons and the Raiders and the Broncos and the like. Who are you moving up, Jeff Kerr, into the top category out of those 10? Well, I would move Dallas up. Uh, I'll be quite frank. I, I would move them up just because they're in the NFC. I don't think there's a lot of contenders in the NFC. I believe it's Philadelphia, and then you're kind of looking at everybody else. But I think Dallas is talented enough to get to the Super Bowl. Here's the problem. They have an owner and a head coach that stands in their way of doing that. Uh, I don't understand – why you're training for Trey Lance when Dak Prescott's got a contract situation right now. That's the last thing a guy who threw 17 interceptions needs to, to have that behind his back, no matter how bad Trey Lance has been. There's a reason why you trade for him. But this is still a talented football team. You have a good running game. You have a good offensive line. When they're starting off, they're starting offensive line, they're starting five is healthy. That is one of the best in football. And, yes, that includes the Eagles. They have a really good defense. Stephon Gilmore was a very underrated addition last year. They have the talent to go to the Super Bowl. But, again, there's an owner and a head coach that stands in their way. But I would move them up. All right, fair enough. Remember to ask Jeff Kerr about the Trey Lance deal. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, which out of 10 you moving up, Farzee? Well, uh, first off, uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, uh, Mr. Jeff Kerr. It's a pleasure, sir. Uh, I just want to say this. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Kerr, for and although I agree with everything you said about the Cowboys, thank you for being a part of the uh, the media circuit that will help build them up just to make their downfall all that much more enjoyable for us here in Philadelphia. You know I, I agree. I, I got them winning 11 games, 11 and six. That's what I got. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. That it, would be legit. It would be legit. And I don't disagree. I think that's I think that's accurate. But it's just fun to see that they have talent, see that they're going to have a good season, and then they're going to crash and burn when the playoffs start. So that, that and in particular, is most enjoyable. Uh, but the team I'm going to put up, I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to go with Jacksonville in that category because of Trevor Lawrence, because of what they have in a head coach and Doug Peterson, obviously in the ties to Philadelphia. 
But but Dougie P does a great job of coming in, getting a team to the playoffs, and then taking that team to the next step, as he did here in Philadelphia. And he's got a weapon in there in Trevor Lawrence that obviously had a great weapon in Carson Wentz the year they went to the Super Bowl, an MVP type of season, and then he needed somebody else to come in and finish the job in Nick Foles. But I just think the world of Trevor Lawrence, and it comes down to quarterback play first and foremost. That's why if I had to go with another team out there, I think more so than just quarterback play, but more so because of what they have at the wide receiver position and Justin Jefferson in particular, the Minnesota Vikings might be a team to catch a lot of attention this coming season because of the NFC. And the Eagles, I think, are the cream of the crop when it comes to the NFC. But if you're going to bump up uh, maybe one or two teams from that top 10 there, Jody, I'm going to be looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Minnesota Vikings. I, I, mean, I like I, the I mean, Jaguars the pick. Your Vikings are nuts, but that's okay. Um <laughs> Jeff, who would you say is dropping down? Who's the team that, uh, Jody, uh, not even close to Josh Lloyd. They got no chance to make the play. They got no chance, surely no chance at the Super Bowl. Um, who are the 10 teams that I rolled out for you, would you say, is the bottom? I didn't get all of them. I got, I listed, so, who were the, do you list them again, Jody? Cowboys, Ravens, Lions, Chargers, Jaguars, Seahawks, Steelers, Vikings, who Farsi's got moving up. I don't know what those are. Damn right. Giants and Saints. Out of uh, those 10, which is the bottom team? The New York Giants. No chance. Uh, see, that's what John just said. Yeah, I, I just don't think this is a playoff team. I think this is a team that overachieved last year. And look, at times I thought they were good, but I'm not completely sold on what they're doing right now. Uh, right now, for the long term, yes. I like their defense. I like the Isaiah Simmons trade for him because I think Wink Martindale's going to get the best out of them. I like their defense. I think they're way too reliant on Saquon Barkley. I don't think they did enough at wide receiver for 2023. Jalen Hyatt, I think, is going to be a good player. I like the Darren Waller move. But when you look at this division, you got the Eagles in it. You got the Cowboys in it. I even think Washington's going to be half decent because if, if Sam Howell is what the commanders think he's going to be, they're going to be good because they're loaded on defense. And if Chase Young's healthy, they're going to be really loaded on defense. Uh, you want to look out for a name? Uh, Cam Curl, their, their safety. Tremendous football player. I, I think more people are going to hear about him this year. All right, I think fair, fair enough. So you got Giants dropping. Farzee out of the 10 I threw out there. Which one do you think is uh, the bottom rung? The, the name that really jumps out to me is the Steelers, but it's hard to see a team like that with the success they've had under Mike Tomlin have another down year back-to-back, -back. obviously a second year at Kenny Pickett. Didn't show me a lot in his uh, first season in the NFL, so that's the first name that really jumps out to me to say to jump down uh, or pu uh, put out of this list. The same, I'm not a big fan of Derek Carr. I, I don't see him as being some guy that's going to all of a sudden, you know, uh, it be the, the the reset button or the restart for the for the Saints. So the Saints obviously creep in there. If I have to go with one name to put out of that running, I I think I do have to go with the Seahawks. And I know a lot of people oh, are high on. I know, and I know, you're Jody. Not. I know, but you honestly mean to. So all of a sudden, Jody McDonald, of all people. Jody McDonald's going to buy into the Geno Smith hype. Look at the talent on the roster. Yeah, They're but loaded. still Geno Smith. He's not doing that again. He's not repeating the performance he had from last year. He hasn't discovered all of a sudden how to play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. I understand they're loaded. I understand they're good. 
I think people are going to be buying into the Seahawks hype train way too much because of one good year from Geno Smith all of a sudden. They're so, no, I, I look at the Seahawks. I do not put respect on their name. They're okay. going to benefit from that bad division. They are okay. going to benefit. Here's, here's the respect on their name. I think the Seahawks are the third best team in the NFC. Oh. I think it's I think it's Philadelphia, San Francisco, and then Seattle. I don't think it's far. I think San Francisco's in for a tougher fight out west against Seattle than the Eagles are in the east against Dallas. Okay, uh, that 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 yeah, that's probably true. But I'll use a line that you you like to use, Jody. I like the Seahawks. I'm not betting on the Seahawks. I'm I I I, I like a guy like Geno Smith, and the redemption story is fantastic, and what they've done in the offseason has been fantastic. But it all comes down to the quarterback. I can't see Geno Smith all of a sudden putting it together at this stage in his career and being a, 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 one of the, I don't know, top 15, top 20 quarterbacks in the NFL. But I just one, don't see it happening. One fact for you guys. Geno Smith wasn't good in the second half of last year. He turned the football over way too much. Way too much. Yeah. It, he had a better first half than the second half. He, oh, won. Yeah. he had one or two pretty poor games but he had uh, a, a decent second half and oh by the way seattle defense is going to be much improved they get jamal adams back and bobby wagner big re-addition they needed a leader in the middle of that defense i got him back i know he's now 146 years yeah. old he's, he's still uh, good he can still play can yeah, still he can still play. play he can still play but he's not bobby wagner of bobby wagner no he's, he's not legion but leader is bobby exactly wagner right. But uh, kind of like a Brandon Graham here in Philadelphia, a veteran guy who helps to make the other players around him better. All right, uh, I had fun with that over the weekend. I wanted to get you guys insight on that. All right, Jeff Kurt, since we got you and you already half went there, let me fully go there. I just disagreed with Farzetta. He's writing off the Seahawks, which I think is a mistake. I'm going to disagree with you, and I get it. It's, it's the overreaction time of year for everything. The, the, the reaction to the Trey Lance trade from – it's an abomination on the 49ers part. How can they give him up? What are they thinking? They gave up three ones to the Cowboys fans. Who go, you know, he's going to come in and take us to the Super Bowl. When that goes down, Trey Lance is going to – the massive overreaction on both sides makes me laugh. It was a good trade. It was a good was- trade for the 49ers because they – Clear up their locker room. If there's any misgivings, any problems, any bad feelings in there, they move on from them and they admitted a mistake, which a lot of teams don't want to do. You make that kind of a big move to get the guy, you hold on to him forever and you just keep adding to the mistake. So I give the 49ers credit and I give the Cowboys credit too. You got a talent for a fourth round pick, you got a potential franchise quarterback. Now, potential, the key word there, for a fourth round pick. I like it on both sides. You sound like you don't like it on either side, Jeff Kerr. I don't think the Cowboys need them. I, I think this is insane what they're doing. It's and I I get the logics of it. Oh, okay, you only gave a fourth round pick. Are you affecting the guy who is your current franchise quarterback by doing this? Because he's got to look over his shoulder. We saw what happened in Philadelphia when heaven forbid the Eagles ran to Jalen Hurts, who ended up being way better, Carson Wentz. Is this going to affect Dak, who's 30 years old and is going to the the negotiating table? And I have said this for a while now, and Cowboys fans don't want to hear it. Dak Prescott needs to win this year. And they go, well, he's only 30. No, he needs to win this year. You've seen the playoff. Farsi just said about it. It's crash and burn. They they do it every year. At some point, you got to say to yourself, 
this guy may not be good enough. So that's why I understand why they would do this. Well, then if he's not good enough and he makes the playoffs and he loses another playoff game and you're ready to move on, isn't it better to have Trey Lance in your back pocket? Trey Lance stinks. I I am going to tell you this right now. Trey Lance is not a good NFL quarterback. He never really was a good NFL quarterback. He, He basically gave up. One game into the 2020 season, I know it was COVID year, but it was like, okay, I'm done. He just hasn't played enough football. He's too raw of a prospect for me. I, well, the please, Cowboys are playing please off tell me, Rush. Please tell me if the Cowboys figure out that Dak's not the guy. Cooper Rush is going to be the guy that the Eagles no, that you know, you go get someone else. It, I don't think Trey Lance is worth. I don't think he's worth it. I really don't. I, I just don't understand why Trey Lance is. I don't get why he's a thing. I don't know why people are trying to make him a thing. He was outplayed by Brock Purdy. He was outplayed by Sam Donald. He was just traded for fourth round pick. He's a because it, you know why he was traded for he's better than a non-existent. Because he was drafted number three overall in the draft, and someone thinks he has talent. I'm just Justin Fields should have been that pick at three. If you were oh, going to draft a quarterback and trade all that, Justin, Justin Fields should have been, been the pick of two to the Jets. Oh, I would agree with you on that. It, it, Zach Wilson is bad. Trey Lance is bad. The other two, they ended up pretty good. You know when they, uh, you know when you buy a new car and you drive it off the lot, they say it, what is it? De- depreciates. Like what is it? Yeah. yeah, at least ten percent. Like Trey Lance is that new car that they just drove off the lot and went from a first, third pick overall to now a fourth round pick. That's depreciated value right there in Trey Lance. From a Cowboys perspective, 65%. You're right, Caparzi. Good example. So I'm looking at the Trey Lance situation from the Cowboys perspective. Other than the idea that you could mess with the quarterback's head in Dak Prescott, which I totally get, and Jeff, it's a valid point. We all, we, as you pointed out with Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz, we know it all too well here in Philadelphia. So other than that, and I think Dak Prescott's going to be fine with it. I think he's going to play well, and he'll do what he normally does, play well in the regular season. I don't think he'll be the turnover machine that he was last year. But come over, uh, coming over, coming out of the regular season, going into the playoffs, that's where he does have to put up. And, yes, I agree with your statement that he's got to win this year. And it is not just Dak Prescott. I mean, this goes back to Tony Romo and choking in the playoffs with the Cowboys. That's what they've done, really, for the vast majority of the last 20 years. So looking at it like this, from a Cowboys perspective, they now have a guy waiting in the wings to get another chance. Maybe the change of scenery argument helps a guy like Trey Lance. I don't think it will. I think ultimately the Cowboys will end up drafting another quarterback and trying to go through a whole new process of bringing somebody else in. Maybe they eventually try to tap into a veteran network just to have somebody stabilize the position while they try to draft somebody and groom somebody to be the next starting quarterback. But from a 49ers perspective, I agree. It's one of the hardest things for any professional sports team, not just the NFL, to do. Admit a mistake. Trey Lance wasn't going to be the guy. They're sold on Brock Purdy right now. They feel like they could win with him. So moving on from Trey Lance and getting something in return is a win for them. Ultimately, yes, wasting the pick, wasting the pick, whatever you want to call it, when they drafted Trey Lance, obviously not a good look. It didn't work out for the transition to move it to him from Jimmy Garoppolo, but they got something for him. And the Cowboys now have a backup quarterback that they feel – if anything, they've taken a flyer on and all cost them was a fourth-round pick. And I'll tell you what I specifically love this weekend, that Jerry Jones felt the need to let everybody know. You know, we like Jalen Hurts, too. If he had fallen to us, we might have taken him. Yeah, okay. You could have taken oh, him. We were going to take him. They, oh, excuse me, wait. He said we were going to take him. Yeah, That's all. Oh, is this not the most Cowboys thing ever? Not only now, Jeff, to your point, are you messing with the head of Dak Prescott by bringing in Trey Lance, okay? But you had you felt the need to then go back in time at a point where Dak Prescott had already won a playoff game. 
He had already been a, a Pro Bowler, maybe a two-time Pro Bowler at that point. Uh, I'd already really good at the time. Still really good in 2020. And you're talking about drafting a guy that was just the runner-up in the MVP race? Oh, my God. Now, if Trey Lance doesn't mess with Dak Prescott's head, Jerry Jones Jerry is Jones. going to mess with That's Dak Prescott's head. head. More than Trey Lance ever will. I agree with you. And, and I, and I got to give Dak this much credit. I think he's really got his head screwed on straight. Now, can he be successful in the playoffs? That's to be determined. Yeah, that's on you, Dak. That's not on me or Jerry or anybody else. That's on you, Dak. And, oh, by the way, having Mike McCarthy call your plays not, might not be as good as you think it's going to be. But uh, I don't think he's the kind who's going to cave looking over his shoulder. Carson Wentz, we found out, was. I don't believe Dak Prescott is that kind of guy. So that's why I think it was a, a good move for the Cowboys. Not an earth-shattering move, listen to the Cowboy Nation. This guy's going to take him to a Super Bowl. But a, a, a good move, just the same. All right, uh, guys, we haven't even touched on the Eagles yet, just tangentially. Cut a bunch of guys over the weekend, guys who didn't show up at practice on Sunday, speculation flying. I think it's probably very good speculation. From 90 down to 70, they still have 17 more guys they got to decide on in the next 30 hours or so. Uh, any surprises for either you two guys as to who the Eagles have already told and or let it be known, if not directly uh, by their actions, that they're not going to be filling out the Eagles this year? Anything surprise you so far? Um, you know what? To one. Me, uh, uh, go, go ahead, Farsi. But the one, the one name for me was Dennis Kelly. I thought yeah. they value the veteran yeah. lineman. I thought they valued a guy that could play, you know, a, a variety of positions on the offensive line. That was the only guy that really surprised me. A guy, the veteran that they had faith in, they thought enough enough of him to bring him in at the beginning of camp. So it wasn't like he was just a camp body. At least I didn't think he would be. And I know they liked him when he was here before, before they traded him for Oriole uh, Green Beckham. So for me, I, I was a little surprised that they let him go. But that was the only one that really raised my eyebrows. Uh, none of the ones that they cut really surprised me, honestly. Like, Dennis Kelly, it, it kind of looked like the last week, even in the joint practice with the Colts, he was on the chopping block. Uh, on my 53, my file 53, I didn't have him on. Tyree Jackson was another one I didn't have on. I know people were kind of shocked by that. I think it's – and look, I talked to Eli Ricks after the game on Thursday. I talked to him a little bit, you know, before that. I think he's got a shot. Uh, you know, I know we say the, the third preseason game doesn't mean much, but sometimes it can sway you in your favor. I thought he had a good couple days of practice leading up to that game. Uh, I think that's the guy the Eagles are really going to look at and say, hey, can we afford to let this guy go on waivers? Like a lot of the, this is what I wish fans would understand. A lot of these guys that go on waivers go unclaimed. Eli Ricks might be one of those guys that goes claimed by another mm -hmm. team. Because they've seen the preseason tape. They've seen the tape from the joint practices. I, I think he might be a guy they keep over a second slot like Mario Goodrich right now. Just because, mm. even though it makes more sense as a football team to keep Goodrich, it's not about the best 53. It's the guys you can't afford to lose sometimes. Agreed. And, and, and on that note, on that note with Eli Ricks, one thing that impressed me, and this is going to sound a little backwards, but he didn't have a good first half in that third preseason game. No, he did. Second half. He bounced right back. He broke up plays. He had a series where he broke up two plays in a row and had blanketed coverage on another. So that showed me the guy doesn't hang his head. The guy doesn't sulk. Because, look, regardless, if he gets an opportunity at the NFL, at the NFL level and plays in regular season games, he, he's not going to be great. He's going to have moments where he looks like a guy who absolutely is a rookie. So he needs to be able to bounce back. And he showed me in that third preseason game that if he struggles a little bit. And also, 
What the hell is with Shane Steichen having Michael Pittman Jr. out there even playing? I understand to build up a little camaraderie, a little chemistry with your quarterback. That just seemed odd to me. But he's guarding guys like that. He's trying to D up guys like that. So there's going to be some struggles there. But in the second half, when he bounced back, that impressed me. Yeah, did, Mike, and, and, did Michael Pittman get hurt the other night, Farsi? He did get a little tweaky. Yeah, no, he didn't. Yeah, stop it. Stop it. If you get your guys off the field and they didn't get hurt, guess what? Better for you than having your guys stand there in civvies on the Did timeline. he limp? I mean, there was a limp. I yeah, saw the limp. Yeah, there was no, a little bit no. of a limp, but I think that's a football limp. But that happens. I mean, no, Eli no, Ricks no was probably limp. a little He'll sore after that game. perfectly fine for the first game. So uh, the Eagles are still, they're not alone, but they are the most prominent team in the National Football League who just says, if starters don't dress, they. I'm surprised they even make them show up at the stadium for the preseason games. A lot it's of build, teams it's played their starters Jody over Mack. the weekend. <laughs> a lot of teams played their starters, so there's different ways to get to the first game of the season. And I'll tell you the one guy I was kind of surprised by that the Eagles have already let go, offensive lineman, but not uh, Dennis Kelly, was Josh Andrews. Because as of right now, Game one, and we know this is highly unlikely because he might be the toughest guy on the planet. Jason Kelly gets his foot stepped on. Second, uh, Jason Kelsey gets foot stepped on. Second series of game number one. So you're moving Jurgens back over to center after you went out of your way to make him your right guard and tell, refuse to tell anybody he's the right guard, but blatantly show everyone he's the right guard. Now you're going to move him back to center? I thought they'd actually keep a backup center, a guy who could uh, uh, get through a game if Kelsey went down, and it's not happening. It's going to be – that's exactly what they're going to – they're going to move Jurgens back to center, which I'm not sure is the best way to handle things, but either they didn't like Josh Andrews enough and or they uh, preferred the plan. But it's the Stoutland University is on school record. They don't like to move uh, more than one guy. If you can plug a guy in easier than moving two, moving one and plugging a guy in. So that that surprised me. Not that Josh Andrews is the end all be all, but the way the Eagles have done business, maybe they're changing their mind on some of those things. All right. I, I, I will say this with, with that. Basically, the Eagles decided we'll have the depth we'd like on that interior there. Josh Andrews just wasn't any better than Brett Tove. He wasn't any better than and Brett Tove's gone too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's gone. I mean, honestly, the big winner out of all this is Fred Johnson. He got the two-year contract. The Eagles found, basically found a backup left tackle on the practice squad last year when they brought him in and who had starting experience and he had a really great camp and was rewarded for it. So I didn't know who the third string left tackle was going to, or you know, number three left tackle was going to be Fred Johnson. Uh, you know, he's going to be number three tackle. Uh, now, obviously, Jack Driscoll will play right if, say, something will happen to Lane Johnson. But if something does happen to Jordan Malata, Fred Johnson's the guy. I think that's, you know, he had a great camp. He, he did. And, I mean, he beat out Dennis Kelly. He beat out a lot of people for that job. Good for Fred Johnson. And I'll ask you one more offensive lineman question, and we'll go elsewhere. Josh Sills. I know that he was a surprise to make the team last year. A lot of people surprised he made it that Stoutland had a liking for him. Stoutland likes to pick these guys and build them up from nowhere and watch them turn into real players. Um, he has the big issue during the offseason on the suspended list, comes back in season, gets reinstated between you, me, and a manhole cover. He was terrible in the preseason games. He got beat like a rented mule in the preseason games, and he's still on this team. Is this just a Jeff Stoutland, he's my pet project, and we've got to keep him because 
I deemed him as a potential player. I'm not seeing it. Why is he still here? Well, I'll tell you what. If someone's shocked Josh Hills is still here over Sua Opeta come 5 o'clock tomorrow, they cut Sua Opeta last year and kept Josh Sills. Yeah, you're exactly right, Jody. It is... Welcome to Prime Video's Culture Rated Collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. We're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A Jeff Stoutland project, and they want to see it through. They've seen it through. Uh you know, an, an acquittal of rape and kidnapping. So they're going to see this through, and they they like him. I know in the preseason games he's been bad. I just watched their preseason game over the weekend. I was just like, oh, my God, he, he was probably just as bad, if not worse, as he was in, against Cleveland. But it's a guy they like, and, you know, that, that's pretty much what it comes down to. It's who do you trust more right now, Josh Sills or Sue Opeta? I think they gave us that answer last December. Yeah, I, with Josh Sills, here's the thing. What has Josh Sills been concentrating on over the last six months of his life? Not football. It's, it hasn't been football. And I think the Eagles were really high on him last year, and the Eagles continue to be high on him. I think that they see him as a guy that has a really high ceiling. And if they're patient with him, if they can groom him, him along, if they can allow him to grow and get back into football shape, I think Jeff Stoutland thinks he could pick up where he left off a year ago. So when I watched him in the preseason, what jumped out to me is, the guy didn't look like he was used to playing football anymore, and that can happen, especially when your life is hanging in the balance and your future is hanging in the balance. Now that he's back in football, I think the Eagles feel like they can grow him into the position and the player that they thought he was going to be last year. Can you, right? can you imagine like how his life just turned on July 29th? He's, he's back in the facility July 30th, and then like two days later, you just got crowds of media, including myself, surrounding him. And you're just thinking to yourself, like, how, how does your life change in like a, a span of a week? And Josh Sills basically didn't have any of that all season to work in the facility. Didn't have any of it. Like you said, Mark, his life was hanging in the balance. 
Now he can go back to focusing on what he needs to focus on. Right. But here's the reason why I'm surprised he's still here. And if he makes the team, I'll be even more surprised. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows he hasn't done anything in six months. He hasn't worked. He hasn't been in football shape. He hasn't been in a locker room. Somebody's going to claim him. You put him on waivers, another team's going to go, yeah, we don't know him from Adam, but uh, last year, Jeff Stoutland liked him. So, yeah, let's take him. Well, who are you keeping uh, well, over? What other team is going to do? At least the Eagles are invested in him. I get that. So if they keep him, there's a reason for it. Why would any other team outside the Eagles take him when they've got no commitment to him whatsoever and they know he hasn't done anything in six months? I will and, oh, say that. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's get a look at the preseason tape. Throw that in there. Holy crap, this guy stinks. Who's going to claim him? They cut Jack Anderson last year and thought no one was going to claim him, and the Giants scooped him up. Just saying. Jack Anderson didn't miss six months leading up to the season like Josh Hills did. Okay, so who are you keeping over Josh Hills? Opetta, for sure. He stinks. <laughs> he doesn't say. They, they've was, had him for, what, five years now? He wasn't as badly as Sills was in the preseason I'm game. just saying, I'm taking the guy a higher upside. I think at least at least in their mind, they think Josh Hills is higher upside. And I look, don't know. The and Professor Stoutland, the dean I, of Stoutland University, really likes Josh Hill. So there's no chance they want to dangle him out there. That's what I agree with. And on top of it, let's think about Sue Oyapena for a second. The the only thing he's known for is looking like Jason Kelsey physically. Not on the football field, but physically. That's what every, the only thing every he's Every time Sue Oyapena comes into a game, you notice the run game isn't as good. <laughs> um... Maybe you might be right about that. I, uh, and, and keep in mind, he's been in with the starters before. And I would have kept Josh Andrews just for the argument I made earlier. Uh, he, about he, did not, he, he did not have a good summer. He, 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 did <sighs> he got the ball back to Mariota, unlike his uh, predecessors who were bouncing him back to Mariota. Got Mariota off, off his game, and he hasn't been the same since. One of the underrated Eagles for not having a real center to fill in. I, I'll tell you what, Jody. Kelsey vacation days in preseason. I'll tell you what, Jody, this is one thing that you're bringing up right now that I don't think a lot of people understand. The depth on this offensive line is not, it's what it not good. It, no, yeah, it's not what it right. used to be. That's, that that's, is, a, that's a storyline this year. That is very true. All right, uh, one more question before we let uh, J.K. run. Another decision that's got – well, let me get them both in at once. Skill positions, because everybody likes to talk about skill positions. Wide receiver, after we know the top four are – Covey is the return guy, and he's probably going to make it, but I don't know that that's a lock. I don't think it's 100 pred. More like 90. Any other wide receiver going to make this team, or are they just going to try and get everybody? Nada, Ward, uh, they cut a bunch of them, Dean Kane over the weekend. Is there any chance there's going to be another wide receiver? Can they keep six, and is Covey a lock, Jeff Kerr? They won't keep six. I've heard some chatter that they might go some after someone outside the organization. Really? Yeah, like, you know, someone on waiver claim or someone like gets cut like that, they might take a flyer on. So if they would happen to keep six, that would be it. But on my 53, man, I just kept coming. Uh, You know, that, I think John might have said this earlier on the show. I don't know if he did yet, but he definitely tweeted it out over the weekend. There's a big difference between being a kick returner and a punt returner. And do you notice who wasn't a punt returner on Thursday night? Devin Allen. I, I think Devin Allen – I know someone said to me on Twitter the other day, well, they can't let Allen go – because he'll he'll get claimed on waivers. I'm like, well, they let him go last year, and he didn't get claimed on waivers. And no. So you can afford to let him lose. Uh, they can uh, honestly, they can afford to cut Covey, but I think they know what they have in Covey. He 
he was a better punt returner at the end of the year last year. I think he was like he was definitely top ten in punt returns, like in yards per return after in the second half of the season last year. So they like what they got in him. It's look, the fifth receiver is basically the special team. So if they keep five, those are the five. But I, I've been hearing they're they're at least toying with the idea of looking waiting to see who gets cut and maybe bringing the guy and making making a waiver claim and seeing who I have no idea who that would be, but something to think about. That'd be interesting. All right, Jeff Carr, before I let you run, the four running backs are the four running backs, right? Poor oh, Trey yeah. Sermon. Uh, he should get paid extra for the amount that he had to carry in the final preseason game. Trey left, Trey right. The other guys are all just standing there, not even dressed. They ran his butt into the ground. I'm sure they can kid themselves into going, oh, we gave him a chance. No, you had to get through the damn game. You'd already made up your mind uh, what four running backs you were going to keep, despite Nick Sirianni referencing him a couple of times over the last six months. Trey Sermon's got no chance to make this team, does he? No. I'll say this about Trey Sermon. He did not have bad camp at all. It's just Kenny Gamewell a really good camp, and he's the guy they trust the most. DeAndre Swift, strong start, not a good finish, but DeAndre Swift's on this team. We know that. Rashad Penny, really strong finish to camp. Boston Scott is as reliable as reliable can get. They they like him. So there was just no room, no room at the end. Um, I, I'll just say this. I think Trey Sherman really get claimed on waivers. I mean, the Eagles did it last year. I don't know if another team will do it. He might be able to slip back on the practice squad, but Trey Sherman will probably get carries for in the NFL somewhere this season. I'll make a prediction for Trey Sherman with you. He ends up on someone else's practice squad. That would make sense. I don't think he's going to make the team, but he saw that he was in here and the four guys had him and go, why would I want to go back there? Uh, I'm not, I'm not breaking through that grouping. They're four deep. He'll go to another team where the third running back isn't as strong that he can see himself onto the uh, active roster. Hey, the Colts, the Colts could use a running back right now. Same with the Cardinals. That's true. Uh, Shane Steichen may very well uh, call, uh, be able to uh, suck him onto their practice squad. Uh, Jeff Carr, a pleasure. Thank you very much for jumping in, as you usually do on Mondays. Next week, no Monday for you. No Tuesday. Monday for us either. It's Labor Day. So we will talk to you on Tuesday, Jeff Carr. Thank you very much. That was great, guys. Hey, Farzi, we got 13 days. Actually, we got nine days. Sorry. We all have 13. <laughs> 13 days of the Eagles game. Let's go, baby. Good to see you, Jeff. Yeah, we we start with the Chiefs and the Lions on Thursday Night Football. But right now, we don't care about the Chiefs or the Lions. We care about the Eagles. And Mark Farzad and I will come back, talk about the Eagles some more. And then we'll add BLG. Brittany Lee Gowton going to jump in with us here on Birds 365.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Have a ball once more. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Zeta in for John McMullen. Me, Jody McDonald here on Birds 365. Uh, Brendan Lee Gowton's going to join us in less than 10 minutes. All right, Farzi, you half kiddingly last segment poked fun at Shane Steichen for uh, actually playing his starters in the preseason game on Thursday night. No major injuries. I think work is good work. Any work is good work. So, Shane, you can say dodged a bullet. We'll find out if it works uh, for him doing it differently than they did it here in Philadelphia. Last year, we were all a little surprised. I I shouldn't say, oh, I should only speak for myself. I was surprised, but I had company, um, that the Eagles went so light in preseason, both the games and practice, 45-minute practices when they're allowed an hour and a half. They decided less is more, and it worked for them. They ended up in the Super Bowl. Give them credit. They also m- almost blew a lead week one against Detroit when the Lions were not good in the first half of the season. They got much better as the year went on. Mm-hmm. Week one in New England against the Patriots. 65, 75. I don't even know what Foxborough holds. Uh, however many screaming idiot fans that will be there going nuts because Tom Brady's back in the house. Eagles are a better team than the Patriots. Eagles have more talent than Rossett than the Patriots. You worried at all about week number one on the road in Tom Brady's return to New England? No, I'm I'm not yeah. I'm not worried about that game. I, I look right. look 
here's Jody. I understand it's cut down week. You know, the cut down. You know, final uh, cut downs tomorrow. But like, here's where I'm at, and I find that this is a very big confidence booster for uh, any doubt in a bad start to the season or a slow start to the season or even a bad season altogether. But I remember when the Eagles were going uh, into the season where they won the Super Bowl. The main talking points after the last preseason game were, did your backup quarterback play enough in Nick Foles? And do you have a long snapper that could take over for uh, um, uh, our man, uh, John Dorenbos? Like those were the biggest concerns at the end of the preseason. And now we just spent time, and rightfully so, because it is cut down week. We just talked to Jeff Kerr. You've been talking about it with John McMullen as well. I've been talking about it. We're talking about fifth wide receivers. We're talking about backup centers. We're talking about kick returners. And those positions are not at all insignificant. But we're not talking about like a quarterback controversy. We're not talking about whether or not this team has a wide receiver that could be the number one guy when, in fact, they have two that could be a number one guy. I think they have a Pro Bowl quality tight end. This team, I think, is set up for success. This team is set up for success this year. And the Patriots, when you look, when I look at them, they're always a great run organization and all the respect in the world to Bill Belichick. But I think the I think this Eagles team, watching them and listening to the veterans, the guys that are going to be playing in the regular season, they can't wait to run through the doors at Gillette Stadium and run out of that tunnel and start another great road back to a Super Bowl. They are chomping at the bit to get back onto that field and start. I think the Patriots are going to be in for a hurting and week one. And the Eagles last year, yes, all the criticism in the world where they talked about a light practice schedule, I get it. This year, they went to a lighter practice schedule. This year, Jalen Hurts didn't even play in the preseason. What do you have, six snaps last year in the preseason? I just think this team is just so raring and ready to go. It's, cer- it's certainly not going to be easy. There's going to be bumps in the road. You might even have a second half, second half collapse like you did against the Lions. I don't know. But I, I just feel like this team is not going to miss a beat when they start the season. I feel like they're just ready to go from jump. Yeah, see, I'd rather play the Patriots, say, like week seven when Tom Brady's not being honored. Uh, if you're going to go up to New England and let the Eagles Don't teams suck. Jody, don't teams usually suck when they're honoring someone? I thought teams always sucked. I know that was always my feeling. Whenever they're honoring anyone no, pregame I, or halftime, they're terrible. I think that's a Philadelphia thing, that it's happened here in Philly <laughs> more often, but I don't know that it's necessarily a crime. I was at the Reggie White game. Oh, sporting, God, I was at the Reggie White the game. The sporting landscape, I don't know that that's always the case. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to pick the Patriots next week. I can almost assure you of that, but I'll, I'll admit a little nervous about uh, whether the Eagles will be up to speed. If, I hope you're right that they're like the dog with the chain on and they're pulling at the fence waiting to get released. I hope that's the case. I don't know that's the case, but I hope that's the case. All right, one more for you, and I'm going to ask this of BLG when he joins us coming up in about five minutes. Derek Barnett's going to make this roster. Howie Roseman's got 24 hours to pull a deal for Derek Barnett. And I've been told by Derek Barnett, oh, they could get a, a, a high day three pick for him. Fourth round of no shot, no chance. The only thing they're going to get is a conditional pick. Seventh rounder that maybe becomes a sixth if he plays 50% of the new team snaps or whatever else. There's no chance Derek Barnett's be. I don't even think they can get that. That's why I'm saying Derek Barnett is here, because I don't think there's any chance he's going to be traded. Do you think there is that someone is going to be reaching out and going, 
yeah, Howie, we'll give you something for Derek Barnett because he can step in and play for us where he's going to be at the bottom of the rotation of the defensive ends here in Philadelphia. All right. So I know Howie Roseman loves his draft picks and every GM should love their draft picks. Okay. So Howie Roseman's looking at Derek Barnett as a rotational defensive end in a position and a position group that is always rotating with the Eagles. That's how they Mm -hmm. love to do things. He's not trading. Derek Barnett for a sixth round pick, a seventh round pick, and no one's giving him anything above that for Derek Barnett. I'd be shocked if that would be I'd flat out shocked, Jody, if that was the case. Derek Barnett is the guy that uh, Howie Roseman looks at sort of as the apple of his eye. I can show that this guy has talent. I can show he was not a bust. I can show that he will help this team win. Oh, you mean like that's Freelance whole... in San Francisco? Oh, no, they admitted. They, they admitted the on. mistake. They did yeah. the right thing and said – all right, finally, but we got finally, finally pull the plug on this. Uh, that yeah. the Eagles aren't doing that is what you're telling me. Exactly, but the, to the Trey Lance point, you're not rotating quarterbacks. But I don't know the, the Cowboys are kind of messed up, but they might. But uh, they're rotating defensive ends in Philadelphia all the time. So if they can get him in there and keep other guys fresh, and they can look at him as a guy that can just keep his head on straight and not get distracted and not blow a gasket from time to time, not cause a penalty, not draw a maybe draw a penalty. That'd be a good thing, but. When it comes to Derek Barnett, they want him to have success here in Philadelphia, and they have enough of a diverse play calling, diverse uh, roster, diverse way of deploying their talent where they can actually have some of the, um, I don't know, the juice worth the squeeze when it comes to Derek Barnett. So I think they're going to hold on to him. I don't think they trade him. No one's really going to give anything for him anyway worth anything. So I think they're going to hold on to him, and I think he's just going to be one of your rotational players as he's been for the vast, vast majority of his career in Philadelphia. Except for when he doesn't play because he's hurt. Uh, Except for when he's hurt or, yeah. Or Which, hey, here, here's the upside. When he's hurt, he can't get any penalties. He can't take 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. So, there's uh, the upside. There, there is 48 hours before we find out that Derek Barnett is still on this team. And I will come on here and shake my head like I have for the to, it's been a long time. Farzi, 2017, when he made those big plays in the postseason – that's now a long time ago. For those mm-hmm. who can't do the math, that's six years. That That's a long time since Derek Barnett actually made any plays of consequence for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. He's Mark Farzad. I'm Jody McDonald. Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. Scheduled to join us coming up in just a couple of minutes. Keep it here on uh, Birds 365. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. 
First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondly hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles You got the Bird 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Mark Farzetta in for Johnny Mac. Uh, we've got Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation jumping in with us. First things first. You feel okay, BLJ? I do. Feel much better okay. than last week. <laughs> we missed you last week, but we're, gl- we're glad we got you today. All right, same thing I asked uh, Jeff Kerr last hour. I get it. The Eagles cut from 90 down to 70, and they're not even official, but the reporting is probably pretty good and accurate, including on Bleeding Green Nation of those guys who've already been told their service is no longer needed. I don't think any of those 20 guys you can say, oh, my God, I thought he was not only going to be on the 53, but would be playing for the Eagles. Yeah, there's none of those. But in comparison to some of the – 17 guys that they still have to cut there might be a surprise or two what surprised you most of the list of 20 that's already out there well i had tyree jackson on my 53 really <laughs> yeah i mean i don't think he, I, I thought he, i didn't think he was a locker or anything but i thought you know there's a chance they could keep him i mean they kept him all around last year um harry roseman cited tyree jackson and his development as something they were excited about after they traded zach hurts in 2021 so i thought okay maybe they don't give on up on him yet maybe they think there's still upside there i don't think it's crazy they've carried uh four tight ends on their roster in the past it's not something unprecedented but um yeah i didn't think he was a lock but i would say you know he and it's funny enough because too he was the first cut that was leaked out there um but yeah he's the most surprising so far uh blg I really I need to get to the bottom of this. This is a guy that's obviously making the roster, and that's um, Devontae Smith. Four hours of sleep. Okay. Jody, you've done it. BLG, you've done it, I'm sure. Yep. A lot of people in our chat have done this. You got to go on four hours of sleep every once in a while, and we're not running around a football field, especially in training camp. We're not doing it, obviously, in the preseason or anything like that. Four hours of sleep a night for Devontae Smith. I know he was asked, like, what do you do for the four hours that you're not sleeping with the average person getting eight hours of sleep? Mm-hmm. So how does he function with only four hours of sleep, my friend? 
Well, apparently really well. I mean, because he had a great training <laughs> camp and he looked really good. I mean, maybe that's the secret to success. Maybe we all need to train ourselves to sleep even less because uh, Devontae Smith looked great this summer. And um, I think, you know, he could reach like a new level. So somehow him not sleeping is resulting in him looking great. I need I need to do one thing. So they asked him about the naps and they said, or they said, well, that's it. Just for he goes, well, I do nap. But, you know, it's, uh, my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. Uh, like how long are those naps? I got to know. Are they two hours? Because, you know, you can do that. I can see the six hours total to sleep a day. But, yeah, I mean, maybe if he does sleep a full eight hours, looking at a guy that Darius Slay predicted would be, you know, one day the greatest wide receiver in the NFL. I do think he relaxes a lot. And I think he's talked about that, too, because he's a homebody. He doesn't like to, you know, be out and about and doing things when he's not at the Novacare complex. So maybe there's some of that in there. He might not be, you know, full REM sleeping <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> for a full eight hours or whatever. But he seems like he's getting enough relaxation in that uh, he's able to be well rested. Maybe he took some notes from Herschel Walker because Herschel was another one of those. Uh, yeah, I don't like to sleep because I could be doing something else kind of guy. Uh, yeah, I like to sleep. Uh, sorry, but don't ask me that question for I go right over my head. I need my seven hours minimum. Otherwise, I'm pretty damn useless. All right. Uh, BLG, let me ask you about the fact that the Eagles, once again this year, decided less is more. In preseason, in practice, in the games, guys not even playing, not dressing, and the like. I got on their case for it last year before the season started. They end up in the Super Bowl, so I had to eat crow and admit, yeah, they probably know better than me. They doubled down on it this year and playing guys even less. You got any concerns week one? Not even all I asked about the whole Brady celebration thing. Put that aside and say it has no factor. Is this team ready to go week number one, do you think, at the top of their level? I think so. I mean, that has not been an issue for them in the past. I think about the Falcons game in 2021, Sirianni's first ever. Uh, Eagles got off to a hot start. Uh, last year against the Lions, they had that big lead. You know, things got a little closer towards the end there, but they certainly started strong. So I've seen no evidence that, you know, they're going to start slow just because they – uh, didn't do anything. Now you could say they didn't play in the preseason at all. A lot of the starters, whereas the past couple of years, they at least got like a drive or so. Um, but is that one drive going to make world's difference? I, I don't tend to believe that. I think they got plenty of good work in the 15 training camp practices they ended up having, which is, I think, the same number they had last year. So I think that's fine enough. Uh, BLG, when you look at this uh, offensive line, uh, it doesn't seem like the depth is there. I know one of the guys that was released that at least raised my eyebrows was Dennis Kelly, just because I know they'd like to have some veterans back there, especially a guy that can play multiple positions. Thought he had a decent preseason, got out there on the big Trey Sermon run, made a nice block upfield. Uh, but when you look at, uh, or downfield, when you look at this, the backup positions here on the offensive line, is it thin? Who uh, Cam Jurgens? Simple as that. The backup center. Is Tyler Steen goes in there as the right guard. What when you look at the backup positions on that O line? Is this the thinnest they've been in a while? It's all relative, right? I mean, I think there are teams out there that you know have question marks at multiple starting spots, sure. and Eagles don't have that. So certainly, you'll take that. I think relative to last year, though, you know, you don't have Andre Dillard, who for all his faults. Um, had certainly kind of come on a little bit and proven to be a quality option off the bench at left tackle, where now you kind of have questions. I mean, is it even going to be for sure Tyler Steen, who I thought did some good things in camp and probably should be that left tackle there? Or is it Fred Johnson, who it seems like the Eagles are going to keep after giving him that contract extension? Um, you know, so there's, there's more question marks here. 
Um, they've certainly lost some of the depth that they've had in terms of in the past, you know, Coyote, Awashika, Jack Anderson, and, and Andre Dillard, who I just mentioned. So they've, they've had a kind of a, a little bit of a, a drain of talent um, from their youth specifically through, through different methods. And, you know, that's just kind of the name of the game. When it comes to um, those bottom of the roster guys, you can't hold on to everyone always. You're going to have to make cuts at some point, and some guys are going to shake free. But uh, I think overall, um, it's not a unit when we're talking about their backup offensive line that I think is an amazing unit. But I still think if you're comparing it to other teams' backup offensive lines, I think it's fine enough, and they should be able to piece things together. BLJ, we all believe, our, again, I'm speaking for everybody. I shouldn't do that. Uh, I believed and others with me believed that Zach McPherson was going to be the backup slot cornerback. Not happening, done for the season with the injury he suffered. Uh, Avante Maddox is very good in the slot, one of the better slot cornerbacks in the league, but he has a history of injuries. He always seems to miss at least part of the season. When Maddox goes down with an injury this year, who's stepping into the slot? It's a great question, um, and I and it's it's interesting too because I don't think Maddox has had a great camp. Um, it's not to the point where uh, oh, cut him, he's bad. But uh, there's enough of a track record with him in his career where I think you have to give him some benefit of the doubt. And also, you know, he started out camp still recovering from the toe injury that he was dealing with late last season. He didn't participate in OTAs at all, so maybe some of this is just him still getting healthy. And you know, there's still some time here before the season kicks off on September 10th. But it's a fair question, and I think a lot of these 53-man roster projections out there uh, don't necessarily account for that in terms of who's going to back up uh, Maddox in the slot. And like you mentioned, Jody, I think that's an important role to have on the team. Last year, the Eagles had Josiah Scott there. He clearly wasn't good enough. The uh, opposing offenses were picking on him as a weak point. I think you know right now it seems like Mario Goodrich might be that guy. He seems to be dealing with like a groin injury as well, so we'll see how serious that is and you know, if the Eagles need to put him on IRR or anything and then, you know, carry him through and figure that out. But uh, if it's not Goodrich, there is really no amazing answer there. There's no, like, mm-hmm. sure fire. Um, it, it might just be something they have to piece together. Maybe you put Terrell Edmonds down there in the box or something. You might have to get creative with it because you don't have a surefire option. All right. So on that note, James Bradbury was talking to the media yesterday about how he has never played the slot position before. Mm-hmm. He had messed around, his words, not mine. He had messed around, fooled around with it when he was in Carolina with the Panthers. And then he said, yeah, if we were playing man and I had to follow my guy and I was the inside guy, it was just what happened. But he's never played under the title of uh, you know nickel corner by any means. So what do I read into it? Is it just a matter of testing versatility, getting his feet wet in case he does need to play that position from time to time, maybe against C.D. Lamb or something like that in the division? What what should I take away from him playing the slot corner position? Yeah, I think that's going to be matchup specific. Uh, The Eagles were doing that a lot when, you know, the Browns came to town and the Browns have David Njoku, you know, a massive athletic tight end in there. And I think the Eagles kind of wanted Bradbury matched up against him. So I definitely think there could be certain situations where Bradbury is matched up uh, gets a certain player there in the slot. I think, like as you mentioned, C.D. Lamb could be a good situation for the Eagles or something they might want to explore there, uh, certainly. But, yeah, I don't think it's something where, you know, Bradbury's going to be in there permanently and they're going to have him there and Slay on the outside and Josh Job. Although, again, unless they maybe they don't feel good about their backup slot option, that is something they can do in the meantime until they find another option back there. Because I think Josh Job had a really good training camp, and I think he deserves to be that top backup. But, uh, yeah, again, more matchup specific. And that seems to be something we can expect potentially out of Sean Desai is that he's going to experiment more with these things than the previous defensive coordinator did. 
All right, so let's go there. Matchup specific. You're right. The previous coordinator last year had two linebackers and they played almost every single snap. He had two safeties and they played almost every single snap. There was no substituting. There was no positional matchup. It was the best guys on the field at basically all times. The Eagles aren't near as set at those two positions as they were last year. I think Reed Blankenship is uh, close to a lock to be one of those locks to play every single snap. After that, I'm not so sure, including the Kobe Dean. Mm. I think he's going to play 98, 90, but maybe it's only 90 and maybe they only have one linebacker on the field and they think Cummings is actually a better chance on a matchup driven play. How much matchup driven is Desai going to be? You opened up the door, now walk through it. How much of that is Sean Desai actually going to do? Well, we've seen enough evidence in training camp to make me think he will tinker to some extent. And, you know, I think there was a tweet out there from, what, the Honest NFL recently about how, like, the 2021 Bears were, you know, one of the more matchup-specific teams uh, in the league when Sean Desai was their defensive coordinator and would do different things week to week as opposed to just having their philosophy and purely sticking to that. Now, I always think that sounds nice, um, but isn't always the most practical to implement because, you know, you've limited practice time. Um, so certainly, you know, changing things around all the time isn't just necessarily the easy answer. I mean, it sounds good, but, you know, in, in practice, it's a little bit different. But again, I think we've seen enough evidence from Desai in terms of being willing to do different things that we haven't seen before and experimenting in practice. That leads me to believe he will be doing that to some extent in the games, assuming that, you know, those experimentations are yielding any kind of success. I'm going to ask you about the buzzword that everybody loves. Blitz. And uh, you could, if I told any Eagles fan before last season they are going to have 70 sacks, they would have lost their damn mind how excited they would have been. But then I would have said, they're not really going to blitz a lot. Oh, well, that's not as much fun. But they have a, a linebacker there, N'Kobe Dean, that was pretty good at blitzing when he was you know in college, granted college, but he's built more for a blitz, quicker, faster you know, than, than T.J. Edwards. So do you have personnel? I think all great coaches or coordinators coach to what they have. So would that lend you also to believe that might be something that Eagles fans will see a little bit more often than what they saw under Jonathan Gannon, which is actually sending a linebacker into the backfield. Not that Jonathan Gannon never did it, but just you might see it more right. with Desai and Nicobe Dean. I don't think radically. Uh, I don't think, you know, night and day kind of a thing here. I think, you know, look, the Eagles view their defense for any flaws it had as a pretty successful unit last year, and I don't think they're looking to reinvent the wheel. And I think you look at the Fangio background, which Sean Desai comes from, and I don't think that's just, the, you know, that's not necessarily the calling card of that defense uh, is sending the blitz and, and what he decided with the Bears. They were not, like, the most blitz-heavy team in the NFL. So just track record alone, I don't expect that to be, you know, the big identity of the defense. Again, it is possible they do a little bit more than Gannon did because um, you talk about N'Kobe Dean, and I think that's a great point. He was really good at that at Georgia, so certainly you want to play to your player's strengths here. Um, but... Uh, I, I will believe that they're blitzing more when I see that they are blitzing more. All right, BLG, uh, I'm going to have to walk you through this question to explain what I want to try and get out of you. <laughs> I'm going to describe Kenneth Gainwell as a tangerine. Mm. And here's what I mean by that. <laughs> I want to compare a tangerine to an orange, not an apple to an orange, because mm. I don't think there's any chance that Kenny Gainwell can just step into the shoes and get the same usage that Miles Sanders got last year. I think he's got a chance to be the Eagles' number one back, 
and get more carries and touches than anybody else, but not the level that Miles did. So I want to compare a tangerine to an orange instead of a tangerine to an apple. You got faith in Kenny Gainwell as a tangerine, the Eagles lead back? I think it's possible that he ends up with the plurality. You know, that's the key word here. I think that's any kind of running back we're going to be talking about here. It's not the majority of the the touches here in the backfield. It's the plurality of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because you look at the training camp reps and Kenny Gainwell by far and away was the top back with the first team offense. But I just I have a hard time believing that this running back situation isn't going to be fluid throughout the course of the season because you have multiple options here. I think that DeAndre Swift probably is, you know, the most has the most juice potentially when it, or most dynamic when you're considering pass catching ability as well. And I think, you know, he's going to have a role. And I think that if he's really excelling in that role, he's only going to be fighting for more playing time. And I think Kenny Gainwell is a nice player, but I don't think he's so good that it's impossible that someone or multiple players could outshine him and work their way into the rotation and warrant more touches. So I think this is something that's going to evolve through the course of the season in terms of who's looking good, who's not, their fumbling issues. Uh, matchup specific, I'll use that term again, because I think, you know, certain weeks, maybe the running backs are going to be more involved in the passing game. Maybe they're not. Maybe there's a game where it calls for more of a physical runner. Maybe that's a Rashad Penny week. Uh, Maybe it's late in the season. Maybe it's the playoffs. Maybe you're like, okay, well, we don't need to save Rashad Penny at this point because we're making this push here for the the Super Bowl. So I think there's a lot of different variables and factors that they're going to go into this rotation. Fair enough. Uh, I I think the running back room is, like you said, matchups, mix of players going to be uh, whoever the hot hand is kind of thing. When it comes to running the football, I've said that DeAndre Swift, I think, gets the uh, the most touches, but Kenny Gainwell gets the most rushes. I think that's the way it's going to shake out in the backfield. Um, as far as the evolution of a position could go, I want to ask you about the safety position. Uh, my guess would be Terrell Evans is the number one guy next to Reed Blankenship, and then maybe Sidney Brown creeps in there. But, of course, that's been one of the battles to watch throughout training camp in the preseason. So by week one and then maybe a little bit beyond that, how do you think that safety position looks for the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, not settled. <laughs> Definitely as we're approaching week one. I mean, I read Blankenship. I had a great camp. He's, I think he's going to be a really good player. I really am excited about Reed Blankenship's upside. But as to who is starting next to him, I mean, it could be Justin Evans week one. Like he's been getting a lot of first team reps and that's not something I really necessarily feel good about. Edmund seems to be in the mix, but I think the Eagles also kind of want to use him in a quasi kind of linebacker role in the box. Um, so there's a lot to be determined there still. I think that's another position where like just talked about running back. You kind of have to figure it out to some extent as you go and see who's playing well. I think Sidney Brown, you know, will emerge at some point, but I don't know that things are really trending in a way where he's going to be your week one starter and you're not looking back at all. I think the Eagles are kind of want to be a little bit more cautious with him. I think he will be getting snaps on a more rotational basis until he Mm -hmm. totally just leaves no doubt and seizes that starting job at some point, but that's not from the jump. All right, BLG. Um, The Eagles have shown by the way they've handled their business since Sirianni was hired that they believe in coaching in the classroom, that they can accomplish a lot in meetings, breaking down video and the like. Why would we put a player at risk out there on the field when we can just break down the film and get them up to speed? If the right guy is cut in the next 48 hours, and that's at the quarterback position, Mm. is there any chance that they cut Marcus Mariota and grab that quarterback and say, we think he's actually better 
understanding that we got to get them like up to speed in five days with all just meetings and a couple of snaps in practice, not ideal, but is there a chance that the Eagles will change their backup quarterback? I'm okay with the kid. I'd go ahead and elevate McKee, but a lot of people say no chance, no shot. You got to have NFL experience in your backup quarterback. If an experienced backup quarterback gets cut, do you think the Eagles have interest? I mean, it's not that they're not going to look at it. I think at the end of the day, though, Marcus Mariota is going to be here. And okay. look, I think people are – look, Mar- Mariota did not have a good summer. No no doubt about it. I was there for training camp. Didn't look good. We all saw the preseason games. But I don't know that, like, he was that much worse and potentially he was better than Gardner Minshew last year, who also didn't look good in training camp. So I, I just don't remember the same kind of freak out for that for whatever reason. I think he maybe he was a little better in the preseason games, but still in the practices, he was not good at all. So um, I, I think there is a little bit too much of a freak out. And I think Mariota, you can't just dismiss that. You know, this is a guy with 87 games played, 74 career starts, including uh, or plus two playoff starts. Like that's that's not nothing. And uh, you look at the fact that, yeah, you know, his passing ability rough, but um, what he can do on the ground is not nothing again uh, with his legs and, you know, a run heavy Eagles offense that could potentially work probably not for an extended period of time, but if Hertz gets hurt for a game and that's kind of what he's been the, the past couple of years, missed two games, missed one game, maybe he can get through. And if he can't get through that one game and he is a total disaster, I think that's the point where you kind of flip the switch and you say, okay, uh, Tanner McKee did enough here to shorten the lease that Marcus Mariota had. And then I think you go to him after that, because I think McKee, what he showed is real. And I don't think it's to the point where right now you, you push that button. I think you give Mariota a chance, but I don't think you give him a, a big chance. Uh, Brandon, I can't remember a time where Eagles players, especially the veterans, spoke so highly of an incoming rookie class like Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. And yesterday, Brandon Graham was asked about, you know, hey, you're going to the year 14 in your career. You know, why keep coming back? That kind of thing. And he said, you know, we'll sack in the quarterback. Sack in the quarterback is fun. And then then he went on to talk about the young guys and, and helping them along and coaching them up and kind of being that veteran leader. And essentially what he was talking about was his legacy and how, you know, years down the line, he wants Nolan Smith and he wants uh, Jalen Carter to be that type of player to the that incoming rookie class. But when it comes to just the, the thing that matters most, play on the field, Fletcher Cox, Darius Slay, Brandon Graham has, has talked about Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter. Like these guys are going to be impact players from jump. And I can't remember a time where veterans were more excited to see the debut of rookies than this veteran leadership on this team talking about this rookie class. How impressive have they been while watching them, not just in the preseason, obviously, but at camp? I think Jalen Carter, you know, is really, he was really like starting to come on here towards the end of camp. I mean, I was there the day when he pancaked uh, Joel Batonio, you know, like a five-time pro bowler, multi-time all-pro kind of guard to the ground. As a rookie, that's crazy. And it also kind of lines up with what the things we've heard from these veterans as you're talking about. Um, specifically, Jason Kelsey has mentioned, you know, Jalen Carter's power is unreal. And we, we saw that on display. And I think Nolan Smith did a lot of good things. I think Brandon Graham sees like a younger version of himself to some extent in terms of at least the energy that Nolan Smith brings to this team. So, yeah, you know, it's an exciting thing um, to have these young guys coming in here. And look, the Eagles need that. They need they're at a, the point in their uh, process here with Jalen Hurts on this mega contract where the young guys are going to have to play. And that's not something that they really had last year for the most part. 
Um, you know, I think Britton Covey may have ended up like the most snaps or the most impactful rookie by the end of last season when all things were said and done. Um, but you need these young rookies this year and the guys from the 2022 draft class as well to really step up and be um, not only contributors now, but ideally, hopefully, you know, the next core of this team. All right, BLG, I need a prediction from you. And this is something that we may, after the fact, have to go, yeah, we still don't know. But I'm going to ask you to predict ahead of time. I like some of the uh, stances you took about both the offense and the defense in maybe being more positionally got matchup guided than they have been in the past. We've gone through the preseason, the joint practices, the regularly scheduled preseason games, which the Eagles handled differently than everyone else in the National Football League. I got no idea what Sean Desai and uh, their new offensive coordinator are going to do. I don't know that they've given us anything to judge because they play their cards close to the vest. That's eagle requirement. Coaching 101 coming down from the top. Which of the two coordinators will we know more about after week one? Hmm. Who will show their hand more offensively or defensively? We go, all right, well, that's what this new coach is going to do as compared to the guy he's replacing. Who is going to be the coordinator that will have a better feel or a bigger question mark after week number one? I think we're going to see some different things with the offense in week one. Um, or maybe, maybe I think early on the season, if not the first game, literally, because this, you know, there was a lot of early in camp, especially running backs being involved in the passing game. And last year, if I'm not mistaken, the Eagles, I think, passed the ball to the running backs fewer than any team in the league. Any team so, in the NFL, the least yeah. quarterback uh, to running back combos. And look, part of that's you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. So why do you need to pass to the running back? There's not really a need for that when you have those three guys. But I do think, um, you know, again, it's not like the whole offense is going to be centered around that. But I do think we will see it a little bit more. And I think that's a different dynamic. Uh, I think the short game as a whole is something interesting to think about. Because you also add, you know, Alamade, Zacchaeus in there. And maybe you're working underneath a little bit more um, to complement those big plays down the field. But um, yeah, I think we'll see some tweaks in that regard with running backs being a little bit more involved um, with the offense early. Defensively, I mean, I'm not expecting to see, again, a night and day kind of thing here. There might be certain matchups that look um, more uh, out of character relative to last year in terms of a player following someone or, you know, Bradbury going into the slot, um, something like that. Uh, but I think it's the offense that's really going to have all the attention anyway. BLG, we appreciate you jumping in with us. Thank you very much for a couple minutes. Glad to hear you're feeling better. Uh, be on top of Bleeding Green Nation all week with the valuations. The Eagles cut down the roster. And we are now just 13, away, 13 days away from the Eagles season getting started. We will have BLG on plenty during the year. Thank you very much for jumping in today, Brandon. Take it easy, guys. Thanks, brother. Brennan Lee Gatton, Bleeding Green Nation, here with us on Birds 365. All right, Mark Farzetta in for Johnny Mack with me, Jody Mack. Come back, put a bow on the show on a football Monday.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. in for Johnny Mac here on Birds 365. Jay Mac got to get over to uh, South Philadelphia for Eagles media availability and the short time they'll be allowed to watch practice uh, before they're told. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, and he'll be back with us again tomorrow. All right, here's where I want to finish up today's show, Mark Farzetta. It's kind of given the Eagles both credit and also some notification because over the next 24, 48 hours, us here, any sports outlet worth that's sold, we'll be talking about uh, cuts and who's going to be released and why they're going to be released and the like. And there'll be talks of where the player was drafted. And if he was just drafted this past year, yeah, you made that call and you took him at that point. But the further you get away from the draft, at least in my mind, it should matter less. Where a guy was drafted after he's been in the league for a year or two or three or four or five or six or seven is irrelevant to me. And some teams cling to that. Um, The Eagles, I have called on the carpet and said they've been guilty of that before, hanging on to a guy because, ooh, they used to draft pick on him. But I give the Eagles a lot of credit because they didn't draft Reed Blankenship. They didn't give Reed Blankenship a huge signing bonus. 
The guy came in here and basically killed it, and now he is their lone unquestioned starting safety. That means they just evaluated the player on what he's done, not how they got their hands on him. So a tip and a cap to the Eagles for Reed Blankenship. So here's my question for you. And when I refer back to draft picks, I'm like, yeah, I'm referring to Derek Barnett in case you hadn't figured that out. Um, Kayvon Wallace, just a couple years removed as a drafted player, has been here the last couple of seasons. He right now, for me, is the fifth safety on the depth chart. And I only see the Eagles keeping four safeties. Now the whole, ooh, they may play a lot of big nickel and drop a safety down if that's the case, and they only keep three linebackers. How can you have a roster with just three linebackers? But people are talking about that being a reality for the Eagles, that it's going to be the Kobe Dean, Cummings, and uh, uh, Cunningham, and uh, who am I forgetting? Ellis. That's it. Ellis. Three Christian Ellis. They're going to – if they only keep three linebackers, can they keep five safeties? If not, because now you get into the defensive line, because the linebackers affect the defensive line. If they keep 12 defensive linemen, which they may, um, that means less linebackers, less safeties. Are Kayvon Wallace's days numbered here in Philadelphia, Mark? They, they certainly could be. And the Eagles gave him every opportunity, especially with a uh, new defensive coaching staff taking over. Uh, they gave him an opportunity to be a, a number one guy there with not Justin Evans, uh, of course, but Terrell Edmonds. That's with the ones during this preseason. You're and, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and Justin Evans has taken over uh, a lot of those snaps now. And I see Kayvon Wallace playing in the fourth quarter of Late preseason. In the fourth quarter. Uh, preseason game number three so that is obviously not a good look for Kayvon Wallace and I think a lot of us were rooting for Kayvon Wallace with the Clemson connection being roommates with Brian Dawkins son so obviously knowing Brian Dawkins goes a long way in the city but he just hasn't taken advantage of what really stinks is that over his what two three years in Philadelphia I've talked to many experts as I'm sure you have as well Jody about his stock with this Eagles team and he just doesn't seem to grasp the playbook he just doesn't seem to be able to grasp nfl instincts as a safety and that does not bode well no matter where you're drafted for Kayvon wallace especially when he has been been given opportunities to take the bull by the board and look since since he's been here you've seen a guy like reed blankenship improve and become a starter since he has been here you saw a guy like marcus epps improve and become a starter and since he's been here the eagles felt it necessary to go out and get a nickel corner from the Saints to be their starting safety in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson last year. So he's had opportunities, and the Eagles have looked elsewhere for other guys to step up and actually make an impact on this defense. So, yeah, I would say that Kayvon Wallace's days are numbered. And as far as the linebacker position goes, I would be surprised still if they only carried three linebackers and they had Ben Van Sumeren on the practice squad. I think they're going to go with Nicholas Morrow as a fourth linebacker, although he might not see a lot of playing time. I think you have a guy in Justin Evans that can play that – uh, linebacker position if you need that opportunity to play him Terrell Edmonds can do the same type of thing but uh linebacker for me I, I would be surprised if they only kept three if they only kept it just sounds weird we'll keep it three linebackers no you're supposed to start three <laughs> linebackers I grew up with three linebackers on the field shoot four linebackers on the field when outside linebackers were actually linebackers mm. not edge players like the Eagles have now Jody if it happens I'll I promise you the first show, the first pregame show for Motion Casino, where I'm on set with Seth Joyner, I will. That will be my first question oh, to Seth. Seth, 
Seth, three, three linebackers. Seth, linebackers. How do you carry three linebackers? Seth, can you go out there and get dressed today? Legitimate question for Seth. What's it like to be the running back of the defense? You tell me. The running back of the defense. All right. Uh, Foraging, thanks for stepping in for John today. Appreciate it greatly. You know, My we're going to be uh, asking you to do that uh, from time to time during the year. Thanks for doing it as much as you have here in the preseason. It's always a pleasure to work with you, Johnny McDonald. Mark Farzetta in for Johnny Mac. All right, Jay Mac and I will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's cut day. We're doing some pretty good speculating today. We'll even do that much more tomorrow as we count down to week number one against the New England Patriots. Before you get out the door, hit the like button once. Oh, if for no other reason for Farzetta. And forget about <laughs> four linebackers on the team. We all like to see that. But no, you like Mark Farzetta. So hit that like button before you get out of here on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald will be back tomorrow in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.